Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. We're covering all of Texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With planting time about a month away, Cotton farmers in the Texas High Plains are hoping for some recovery on prices and some rain. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The April forecast and entering severe weather months in the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Spring-like weather in the central Texas Blacklands. This is Dr. Shane McClellan and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We have new estimates of Texas crop acreage this year. Jessica Domel explains. USDA forecasts 2.1 million acres of corn will be planted in Texas this year. That's down 150,000 acres from last year. It's 400,000 acres lower than 2019. Texas farmers are expected to plant around 2 million acres of grain sorghum. That's up 11 percent from 2020. Wheat acreage is forecast up 600,000 acres at 5.5 million acres. Texas rice plantings are forecast up 6,000 acres at 190,000. Producers are expected to plant around 170,000 acres to peanuts. That's down 20,000 acres. And last but not least, Texas farmers are expected to plant 6.81 million acres of cotton this year. That's down 18,000 acres from last year. The majority of their reduction in acres is due to an expected drop in Pima cotton planting. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Now those estimates Jessica referred to come from last week's USDA Planting Intentions Report. It showed nationwide cotton acreage unchanged from USDA's January estimate at 12 million acres. The market's reaction to that acreage estimate has been mixed. Cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland says he still thinks there's some upside potential in the market. I think we have excellent potential, certainly, to get above 85 cents in cotton, above 88 cents in cotton. But this is a time that we're seeing some weather issues in Texas, specifically in the southwest. Cleveland says one of the biggest factors that will determine the market's direction is the drought situation here in Texas. Cotton planting is underway in South and Central Texas, but we're about a month away from getting started on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Like with any commodity, prices are always the big story. And for cotton, there's been a bit of a downturn. Things had been looking pretty good in recent months, with the December futures contract running around 85 cents a pound or so, but lately the price has tumbled back to the mid to upper 70s range. 
I talked with Steve Verrett of Plains Cotton Growers about the potential for profitability at these lower prices. He says a lot would depend on production. If you can make a 500-700 pound dryland crop, yeah, 75 cents will work. But if you only make 200 pounds, 75 cents is not very good. So it is related to the yield as well in that regard because the fixed price has to be covered and once you get above a certain yield level, well, then it becomes much more profit than it does at those lower yields. So certainly we want to see a seven in front of the price. We'd really like to see an eight to be in the area where we believe we can really be profitable. Of course, for farmers chasing high yields, moisture will be the key. And Verrett offered some encouragement on that front. It's long been said about this area. It doesn't take really a whole lot of rain to make a good cotton crop. It's all about timing. And so, you know, if we can get a crop emerged and going, then two or three rains in the growing season can really make a good cotton crop. And so we're just hopeful. It appears, depending on which weather forecast you look at, a lot of people are already talking about that the La Nina is weakening and maybe in a neutral phase quicker than what they had predicted back a couple of months ago. So hopefully, and if you believe in the farmer's almanac, I understand that the farmer's almanac is saying maybe a little more rainfall in our part of the country. So right now, we just have to be hopeful that that's going to be the case. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We've already seen some severe spring weather here in Texas, and we're now entering the time of year when severe weather becomes more common. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. My guest today from Fort Worth is Tom Bradshaw, meteorologist with the National Weather Service. And Tom, before we get into the April forecast, let's get a good uh, quick recap of March in Texas. Certainly was a windy month. It definitely was. Great to be with you again, Tom. And uh, certainly it was a windy month. It was also a very dry month across pretty much all of the state. We had precipitation values well below 50% of normal across a good part of the central, south, and western parts of the state. Really, the panhandle is the only only part of the state that had any kind of appreciable precipitation during the month of March. For the rest of the area, it was relatively dry, actually quite dry. It was relatively mild. Had a few severe weather reports here and there with some large hail reports. But probably the wind was the big story. Had a lot of wind, and that contributed to some breakout of some wildfires across the central and uh, western parts of the state during the month of March. Now, Tom, we're into the month of April, uh, one of the main severe weather months typically in the state of Texas. And that certainly is uh, what people need to uh, be aware of. Absolutely. When we look at the severe weather climatology for the state of Texas, the two months that really stand out are April and May. Once we start getting into the the middle and latter part of the month of April, we really see an increased frequency of uh, strong frontal passages with supercell thunderstorms forming out ahead of the front, uh, a lot of dry line activity forming, and that contributes to the development of not only large hail and um, damaging winds, but also the potential for tornadoes, and also flash flooding becomes a concern as we get into April, and that'll continue on into May. So obviously folks need to have their severe weather safety plan um, dusted off, and they need to be ready to, to do what they need to do when they receive information about severe thunderstorm or tornado watches, or certainly tornadoes, severe thunderstorm, or flash flood warnings for their area. 
Meanwhile, for the month of April, with uh, the Texas drought monitor showing uh, still extreme drought and exceptional drought in uh, West Texas, far West Texas and uh, South Texas, rain precipitation is certainly uh, needed in those areas uh, along with other areas of Texas. Climatologically, April tends to be a little wetter month for the state of Texas. and We are hoping that uh, we'll see more fronts coming down in into the state and, and forming uh, showers and thunderstorms across the area. But the long-term forecast, unfortunately, continues to show below normal rainfall uh, potential for the state. Uh, unfortunately, temperatures are going to be above normal, according to the outlook. Uh, once you get into April, you start seeing a lot of 80s and even 90s start creeping into the picture across a good part of the state towards the end of the month. That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw joining us today from Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Spring weather is taking hold in the central Texas Blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has more from Waco. The weather in central Texas has been somewhat normal for this time of year. There have been some typical windy March days, but most of our, our weather has been overcast or cooler days uh, mixed in with some sunny warm days. The cold days have become less common, and we end up shedding those jackets as the day goes on. Corn and grain sorghum planting has finished, and cotton planting will be our next major crop to go in the ground. Corn and grain sorghum are emerging across central Texas, and the stands look very good. It was almost like planting in a garden in a lot of locations. There were a few fields of oats that were plowed up after the freeze event, and those producers did plant corn. Those will be our last fields of corn to germinate in central Texas. Small grain farmers have just finished spraying, kind of fighting some spider mite and aphid infestations. Now, other than that, our oats and wheat has really grown out of that freeze damage. Much of our wheat and oats that was dinged up really recovered well and put on new tillers. Livestock pastures have a new flush of green growth as the cool season annuals like ryegrass have really took off, taking advantage of the sunshine and the little bit of moisture we have received. And we're also seeing some warm season forages, uh, grasses and weeds emerge and grow. Many of our hay producers have been applying early season weed control herbicides on those hay fields. Hay demand has increased here locally, and that's primarily due to us feeding much of our reserve hay during that cold snap. And people don't like to, to be out of hay, so there's, there's definitely an increase on price right now. This is Dr. Shay McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. The state has confirmed two new cases of a fatal neurological deer disease in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And cats can develop anemia after catching a disease carried by fleas. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. 
Cats get fleas, and unfortunately, there's a disease carried by those fleas that causes them to develop anemia. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. A bacterial organism called Mycoplasma hemophilus can be transmitted to cats by fleas. So fleas not only suck blood from cats and make them miserable with scratching, but can also contribute to hemolytic anemia. The bacteria can also be transmitted by bites of cats and even be transmitted from the mother to her kittens prior to birth. Clinical signs of infected cats include pale mucous membranes in which the color of their gums is almost white, with depression, fever, lethargy, rapid breathing, weakness, and not eating. And since the red blood cells are being destroyed by the cat's spleen, the mucous membranes may be yellow instead of white. Although yellow mucous membranes usually indicate a liver problem, destruction of red blood cells can cause the same symptoms. Blood tests can be used to make the diagnosis, as you can usually visualize the bacteria on red blood cells in a blood smear. Many cats with this disease are also either positive for feline leukemia or feline AIDS virus, so cats should be tested for these diseases as well. Male cats that roam outdoors are more likely to be infected due to more flea exposure and fighting with other cats. If not treated, most cats will die of the disease due to a lack of red blood cells and decreased oxygen to their tissues. Antibiotics are usually effective at killing the organism and eliminating clinical signs. However, some cats will remain positive for a long period and can continue to be a source of the organism for other cats. In some cats that are severely anemic, corticosteroids can be used to decrease the destruction of the red blood cells. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The state has confirmed two new cases of a fatal neurological disease in Texas deer. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Chronic wasting disease has been detected in deer breeding facilities in Hunt and Uvalde counties. CWD is a fatal neurological disease that affects members of the cervid family, including deer, elk, and moose. This is the first time CWD has been found in Hunt County, which is west of Sulphur Springs and east of McKinney in North Texas. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, CWD was found in tissue samples taken as part of required routine surveillance of deer breeding facilities. All deer at both facilities have been secured as an investigation into the cause and potential spread of CWD continues. Deer breeders that received deer from the facilities or shipped deer to them over the past five years are now prohibited from moving or releasing deer at this time. TPWD says animal health and wildlife officials cannot determine how long or to what extent the disease has been present in the deer breeding facilities. Both facilities have active CWD surveillance programs. It is the first time that either has had a positive case of CWD. Since 2012, CWD has been detected in 220 captive or free-ranging white-tailed deer, mule deer, red deer, and elk in 11 Texas counties. Dr. Andy Schwartz, state veterinarian for the Texas Animal Health Commission, said staff are working diligently to address each impacted herd to prevent the future spread of the disease. While CWD is deadly for animals like deer, the Animal Health Commission says that to date, there is no evidence that shows that CWD poses a risk to humans or to non-servids. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Both cattle and cotton took off to the upside on Monday morning. However, the cotton market could not hang on to those gains. The good news is the cattle market did. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was another positive start for the week on Monday in the cattle complex. We saw triple-digit gains in both live and feeder cattle futures. April live cattle up $1.35 Monday, closing at $121.37. June live cattle up $1.87, $124.42. August up $1.77 at $123.30. Nice gains in the feeder cattle market also. April feeders up 257, 146.45. May feeder cattle up 255 at 151.77. August up 215 at 160.15. Cash fed cattle market wrapped up last week, selling cattle as high as 118. However, that 118 number was up in the Midwest, Iowa reporting those prices. Down here closer to home, Texas Cattle Feeders Association reporting 6,745 head of cash sales last week. The price topped out at 117. Boxed beef prices continue to surge higher. Choice up 484 on Monday, 257.69. Select up $1.66 at 248.63. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear Auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to head to Uvalde. Talk to Klein Spear from Southwest Livestock Exchange, Uvalde. Klein, how did the sale go Thursday? We had 974 head today, Larry. Let's walk the pins. Good choice steers, $1.45 to $1.70. Lighter weight steers, $1.65 $1.90. Good choice heifers, $1.35 to $1.35. Lightweight, $1.30 to $1.55. Good crossbred steers, $1.60 to $1.90. Lightweight crossbred steers, $1.60 to $1.85. Crossbred heifers dollar dollar twenty. Lightweight crossbred heifers dollar thirty to dollar fifty. Good stalker cows sixty five to eighty five. Good packer bulls seventy five to ninety. Breaker cows fifty eight to seventy five. Cutter and canner cows forty eight to fifty five. Shelly cows are thirty to thirty five. Good cow calf pairs thousand to twelve hundred. Plain calf pairs were eight to nine fifty. And the good stalker pregnant cows were seven fifty to eleven hundred. Sounds like you had a good sale. Were you pleased with the buyer participation? Yes, sir. Seems like everybody's trying to get some numbers put together, and there's short numbers around, so it seems like it's a pretty active market. The market's sure holding steady. The packer cows were 3 to $4 better this week. Other than that, everything's holding well, and if you need something to sell something, it's sure a good time. Now, do you know of anything for this next week's sale? Right now, we got a couple ranch deals coming with some yearlings and some calves on them, and uh, we'll probably have our normal trailer line come in with some good replacement cows and some good calves and a little bit for everybody. Well, tell everybody what time you start each Thursday and then how to get a hold of you, Klein. We start every Thursday at 
12 noon, give us a call at the office, 830-278-5621, or my cell phone, 830-591-3241. All right. We appreciate you being on Down on the Farm. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. If we can do something to help, let us know. Neighbor, that's all the time they're going to give us on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network for Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Thanks to Klein Spear from Southwest Livestock Exchange, Valley. Neighbor, have a good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close mix. The nearby April up 62 cents at 102.40. May hogs down 27, 102.55. Class 3 milk higher. April up 6 cents at 17.56 a hundredweight. May milk up 14 at 18.59 a hundred. The cotton market started out strongly higher on Monday morning, but we just could not hold on to those gains. We ended the session with single-digit losses. About the only news in the cotton market right now is that China announced it would use mechanical harvesters to gather a large portion of its Xinjiang crop this year instead of hand labor. China has been under a lot of scrutiny for its alleged use of slave labor in its fields and its factories. We close with May cotton down 7 points, 77.88. July cotton down 9, 79.18. The December down 4 at 77.87. The wheat market closed mixed. Not a whole lot of news in the wheat market right now. It was a quiet day of trading on Monday. We're looking at wheat prices now at the lowest level we've seen in about three months. July Kansas City wheat down two and a quarter, 5.69 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up three cents, 6.13 and a half. The corn market was mixed, old crop lower, new crop higher. May corn down six and a half, five fifty-three and a quarter. September up one and a half, five oh two and a half. December up four cents at four eighty-eight and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas dropped twelve cents, two fifty-one. May crude oil down two seventy-four at fifty-eight seventy-one a barrel. The financial markets were higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 394 points, 33,547. The Nasdaq up 226 at 13,711. The S&P 500 up 60 points at 4,080. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Terry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.